You're listening to the Lord's Army Radio Dispatch. The Lord's Army Radio Dispatch is the audio branch of lordsarmy.org, a Christian training ministry. During this weekly podcast, you'll meet individuals on the front lines of battle with the world. You'll meet Christian leaders, pastors, and lay people, all of whom have been used to the glory of God. If you are a Christian, then we encourage you to become an active duty soldier and join the battle that's going on around you every single day. Come join the Lord's Army. Thank you for listening to the Lord's Army Radio Dispatch. I'm Skip Wilson, and today we are talking about the mortification of sin, which is a title we're borrowing or a concept we're borrowing. Well, the concept's in the Bible. title we're borrowing from John Owen, who is one of the greatest Puritans, uh, Puritan minds of all time, an incredibly deep thinker, very, very uh, a great man to to read, a very difficult read, though. His book we are offering for free uh, at some point. We're currently formatting it right now, so it's uh, at the time of this going live, it won't be available, but I will make sure that it's linked to in the blog once it is available. So just make sure to check it out, lordsarmy.org forward slash blog. You'll see the Mortification of Sin blog post that accompanies this podcast. Someday, within the next week or two, there will be a link there where you can request Mortification of Sin by John Owen for free. We will offer that up. Like I said, we're just making some formatting changes, doing our best to try to make it as readable as possible. But the concept of mortification of sin is incredibly important. Sorry, I'm, I, this was one that I really wanted to outline. I want to follow the outline that he put in the book, uh, just because I like it so much. So I really want to squeeze—I'm trying to squeeze one of the most difficult reads in Puritan theology, in my opinion. Uh, maybe I'm just dumb, though. Who knows? But in my opinion, it's one of the most difficult things to read. I'm trying to squeeze it into, into this podcast. And so I really wanted to sort of follow the outline of his book. The first— Peace, the first sort of chapter, he goes into Romans 8.13, and he points out that this is a conditional statement. Romans 8.13, it began, it, you know, if you believers through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And he points that out, that the, in this sentence, there's really five parts. There's the condition, it's if. So it's like, if you do this, then you will do that. So it's a conditional sentence. The subject is you all believers, right? So if you, believers, and then he talks about how there's a means of identification, you know, uh, so the means of mortification, rather. So he talks about how it's done. So it's if you, through the Spirit, which gives us an idea of how we can accomplish this. So if you, through the Spirit, do what? If you mortify the deeds of the body, and then there's a promise, you shall live. And so this is an amazing verse. If you believers, through the Spirit, mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So there's a promise, it's an if-then statement, and we're even provided the means of how to do it. And this is the foundational verse for this entire book. Uh, the word mortification, uh, it's a Latin word, or it comes from the Latin uh, which means basically to to actively seek out to destroy, to to seek out to mortify. Basically, uh, you're seeking out to kill. You're pursuing pursuing with the intention of destruction. 
is, is to mortify. And he goes through uh, the sort of biblical definition of mortification. He, he points out that when we're talking about, about mortifying sin, um, this is not Pharisaism, right? And this is actually not a point he makes in the book, but I want to make this point clear. We're not talking about mortification as a means to salvation, right? We know that we are saved because of the works of Christ alone. Nothing I can do, nothing you can do. We are saved because, you know, you and I failed, but our sins were paid for by Christ. And so our salvation is in Christ alone. And there's no works that we can do that add to that, right? I can't be more saved because I do works, right? No, I'm saved because of Christ. But because I'm saved, I ought to seek to live. And that is where mortification of sin comes in. I should act differently. I should live differently. And that's where this comes into play. So it's not about salvation, but a lot of times in modern contexts, see, you didn't really have this problem so much in Owen's day, um, or at least you know, not to the extent that you do today. But a lot of times because of, an, I think, overemphasis on purely evangelistic efforts without discipleship efforts, we get this idea that the point of life is purely salvation, right? Like you exist only to be saved, and that is not a biblical concept. Being saved by the work of Christ is the beginning of eternal life, not the like purpose of it, right? We weren't created so that we could be saved. No, we're saved so that we can be a light in this world, so that we can be salt in this world, and mortification of our natural selves, mortification of our sinful selves, is how we be that light and how we be that salt in the world. So, he talks about how mortification is not the complete elimination of sin. There's, that's, not, that's not the goal, right? The goal is not perfection. You're going to be a sinner as long as you've got breath in you, right? Not until our next life, not until we're born... Um, anew through death of on earth, can we be truly, completely sinless? However, these are not just occasional victories either. He points out that this should be more than just winning a few battles here and there. He also points out that mortification is not make-believe, and it's not just merely improving your natural qualities. What you should not hear in this podcast is a sort of like feel-good um, you know, do these things and everything in your life will get better. You'll get richer. You'll have a better house, better marriage, better all that. That's not the message. Likely sin is causing you to mismanage your money or likely sin is causing you to mismanage your marriage and fixing those, those problems, those areas of sin in your life will help you. But that's not the ultimate goal. The goal is not to have a great marriage, a great car, a great house. Those are great things. And sin is often the barrier to us having those things. But that's not the end goal. The goal is, you know, to be like Christ and to live as Christ. So let's talk about what mortification is. Um, Mortification is, as Owen defines it here, the habitual weakening of sin. It's a constant fight and contention against sin. So you, it's the recognition of sin. And it's the continual, everyday weakening thereof. So it's making it, you know, you should be less of a sinner 
today than you were yesterday, and you should be less of a sinner tomorrow than you are today, because we should be constantly identifying what we're doing wrong, praying for the strength to, one, see those things, and two, take action on those things to prevent them. And so now, with the need of, uh, with the need sort of outlined, or with mortification outlined, let's talk about the means, which is the Spirit. And Owen spends, I'm going to stand up, I'm sitting down right now, (laughs) so, sorry. The means of mortification is the Spirit. The Spirit alone has the power to mortify sin. You say, well, wait, I thought you just told me to do that. Hold on, we'll get to that. So the Spirit mortifies sins through, sin through three ways. First, it is, the, it is the Holy Spirit who causes our heart to abound in grace and to abound in his fruit, which, of course, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, those things are in contrast to sin. So as we grow in the Spirit and as we grow in the fruits of the Spirit— we leave the sinful selves. So much of sin is caused by a lack of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, all of those things are, are born from a lack of the, of the Spirit. So as we grow in the Spirit, as He grows, as, as he grows us, as He changes our heart, we grow in the fruit. And so also it is the Spirit who brings about our conscience, who brings about that, that pricking of the heart, who makes us feel bad when we sin. And you should, as believers, feel bad when you sin. Now, sometimes you don't even recognize sin. I, I recognize things today as sin that I didn't even think about years ago. And that's part of getting better and better and better, right? Uh, if you recognized all your sin at once, you probably would just say, well, there's no hope here. You begin oftentimes, especially as young believers, you begin with these things that you know are wrong. Like you've known they were wrong. You knew they were wrong before you were even a Christian. You knew that those things were wrong. But then eventually you grow into the things that, that you would have never even thought of. But it is him who, who pricks that heart and who makes us weep for our sins. And it, is, and it is the Spirit who brings about the knowledge of Christ, the conversion of Christ, brings Christ into our heart, and puts the cross in front of us. And that is how we get to some of the solution for these things. Sorry, I know the paper noise probably doesn't sound great on the podcast, so I'm sorry about that. Probably doesn't sound great in the video either, but it is what it is. Trust me, this would be a worse podcast without those paper noises because I wouldn't be able to uh, to stay on track. So mortif- he points out, too, that mortification is for true believers— you know, you, the the fallen man cannot mortify a fallen you know person cannot mortify their own sins. Uh, it is the work of the Spirit in us. And so you might say, well, well, great. Why doesn't the Spirit just do it then? What do I have to do? Well, it's we are called to work and will with the Spirit in His good pleasure. Mortification remains a work of our obedience to His Spirit, and so we can forsake the Spirit which Jesus calls the unpardonable sin, right? Which saying, hey, I don't care about that gospel stuff. I don't care about that regenerated stuff. Or we can rest and grow and trust in and love the Spirit and obey when our heart is pricked, obey the leadings therein. 
see how I'm doing on time. Okay. So mortification requires the, the work of the Spirit in us and our obedience to the Spirit because we've already been saved. Mortification is a topic for Christians. It is a Christian topic. So we're not talking about believers. Uh, we're not talking about non-believers making their lives better, right? We're talking about believers growing in Christ. And so let's talk about the the preparation for mortification. Um, the first thing to sort of dwell on is to think about sin's danger. To to dwell on or to, to to contemplate, you know, the reason why things are forbidden is because they're destructive, right? They're not destructive because they're forbidden. They're forbidden because they're destructive. They're the opposite of what you were created to do, and so they will harm you, right? I, I've used the analogy before, and I think I came up with this one, but if I if not, I apologize. But I've used the analogy before of, like, trying to cut wood with a pizza cutter, right? Like, if I'm trying to saw through a piece of wood with a pizza cutter, maybe I can make some dents in the wood— but it's definitely not good for that pizza cutter, right? Because what's a pizza cutter made to do? A pizza cutter is made to cut pizza, right? Well, we're made to glorify God. And so everything that we do apart from that is destructive to us, will destroy us. Um, another point that is important to point out here is that fear of punishment is not true fear of sin. We should be afraid of sin and sin's destruction in us, but not fear of punishment. That's not for the believer anymore. Right? We're free from the, from the fear of punishment. We should have on the helmet of salvation, which is part of the armor of God in Ephesians 6. Right? We should know, I, like, I, we're saved. Right? We have no more fear of punishment. God may chasten us to prevent us from sinning worse, but that's, those are good things. That's not what we fear. Instead, we should be seeking to mortify sin, not because we're afraid of what God might do to us if we, if we do sin, but because we're afraid of sin itself, because we recognize that it itself is destructive. Um, Timothy Keller put it, put it really well, that you know, Christianity is not a list of, of do's and don'ts. It's not a list of things that we don't do, but it's a list of things that we do out of love. right? So because I love God, I don't want to sin anymore. Because I love God's creation, I don't want to sin anymore. You know, sinning hurts somebody. It either hurts me or it hurts somebody else. Or it is offensive to God. So why would I want to do that, right? You, as, you know, if you're a father or a mother, uh, you know, you wouldn't do something intentionally to hurt your kids. At least I hope not. And, and so why would you do something to hurt other people? You know, you wouldn't. You know, that's just not, that's not the way we should be wired. We should be motivated by the doing of love, right? We love God, and we love God's creation, including ourselves and others. It's not wrong to love yourself, right? Eating things, you know, eating far more than you need, gluttony, those types of things, that's a sinful action that's destructive to yourself, and that's one that I struggle with, for sure, and that's one that, that I'm growing in, actually. But I'm not motivated because of my fear of what God will do to me if I continue in that sin. I'm motivated because I recognize it's destructive behavior, the destruction that that particular sin has had on my life, and the destruction that that particular sin could have on those that I love, right? So instead we move those resources in other areas. So we should fear sin, not punishment for sin, and that's an important distinction. We should also, you know, dwell in the guilt. You know, when that guilt comes, we shouldn't just brush it off. 
um, Ray Comfort talks about how that pricking of the Holy Spirit's like a fire alarm, right? You can take um, only a fool when they hear that beeping of the fire alarm that says that the battery needs to be changed would take out the battery so that it doesn't beep anymore. Because what's going to happen, right? If your house burns down, you don't have a fire alarm anymore, you're going to die, right? Instead, when that little annoying beep comes, you know, when that pricking of the heart comes and that Holy Spirit conviction comes upon us, it's unpleasant. But we shouldn't try to just stop it. We should listen to it, focus on it, meditate on it, and remember it the next time that we're tempted in a similar way. Mm. Going through there. We should be growing in the Word as well. Uh, spending time meditating in prayer and the Word, that's part of how the Spirit, those are the tools that God has given us. You know, the God has given us tools in this earth. One of them is, is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Another is, is, the, is the Word of God. And another is the Church. And we should use those tools to help us to grow. We should use our knowledge, use our understanding. We should be growing in these things. So spending time in the Word. If you're not spending time in the Word and prayer, you're just not using your tools. Why? If you're not going to a church regularly, why? You should be using those tools that were given to you. Also, just know your weaknesses. You can you should spend a little bit of time uh, every day reflecting on what you've done well. So you know, right? I I I suggest journaling. Honestly, I think every Christian should be journaling. Should be journaling daily. And I don't want to make a rule of that for and say say that you must do it. But I can't imagine being able to do these things without keeping a record of some sort. But even if you don't write it down. You need to spend time contemplating, which I highly suggest writing it down, but I can't stress that enough. But if, if you don't write it down, at least spend time contemplating your victories. Also spend time contemplating your failures. It's not the only things you should think about, right? We should spend time marvel, you know, in God's Word. We should spend time just appreciating God for who He is. But a part of that time should be spent on self-reflection. So I'm not saying that should be the whole your whole prayer time, That's, but a piece of prayer time should be self-reflection. And in that piece, you should be asking yourself, what did I do wrong and what did I do right? Keep a record of those things and notice the habits. If you notice that you sin most at you know, 11 o'clock at night, maybe go to bed earlier. If you notice that, that um, you're sinning in a particular area, you know, whether it's you know, whatever it is, if, if you're sneaking off with your cell phone somewhere, maybe make a rule that you leave your cell phone, you know, in a particular place so that you don't bring it with you when you go to wherever it is. Just notice the patterns in your life. Notice the sinful patterns. You know, maybe it's making a plan for the next day. Maybe you, maybe you, you're, um, you know, this is a big one for me, is planning my meals out for the next day, right? So if I plan those things ahead of time, it helps me. If I don't plan, that's when I make impulse decisions that are bad. But planning those things out can help. And then be careful not to 
assume that you are ever not going to be weak in that area. I'm trying to think of how to how to say that better. Um, be careful not to assume that you don't have a problem anymore. So in other words, if you had a problem with money being fin- fiscally responsible or financially responsible, don't assume that because you haven't struggled that with that in a while that now the rain, all rains are off, you'll never struggle with that again. Likely what you've been weak on in the past, you should keep safeguards up at all times. You know, have a financial accountability partner. Have somebody who's checking behind you and checking you. Don't open up doors of opportunity for sin in your life. Close as many of those doors as possible and recognize where your weaknesses are because likely past weaknesses are going to be at least future temptations, if nothing else. Ultimately, the way we defeat sin is by loving God and loving his creation, meaning ourselves and others. The more we focus on our love for Christ, the more we focus on Christ on the cross, the more we trust and listen to the Spirit, the more time we spend in his word and in prayer to him, and the more times we ask for help and identify the areas of sin in our lives, we will grow. We will destroy the sin that is destroying us. And as John Owen said, you are either killing sin or sin is killing you. Make sure that you are in the battle against sin. And make sure that you are winning that battle because you should be. And if you're not, you need to identify right now why that particular grace is not working upon you so that you can overcome that sin. Pray for it. Pray for help. Pray for guidance. If it's a sin that you're struggling with for a long time, that shouldn't be the case. You're not mortifying that sin. Do what you need to do. Maybe you can't have a smartphone at all. Maybe you can't have an online bank account at all. Maybe you can't you know, do this or that. Do what you must do to make sure that temptation, that you're not leading yourself into temptation. It makes no sense to pray you know, the Lord's Prayer, you know, please you know, deliver me from evil and lead me not into temptation. It makes no sense to pray that if you're leading yourself into temptation. Mortify sin. Make it an enemy in your life and do so because of your love for God and your love for others. Thank you. This concludes this particular dispatch from the front lines of the Lord's Army. If you want more information or content, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, and subscribe to us on YouTube. Apply what you have learned in this episode. Remember, you do not become a great man or woman in Christ without taking action. One easy way you can help spread the gospel right now is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, just by liking us and leaving us a review, you can have a massive impact in how many people we reach. Go out there. Take action. Join the battle. LordsArmy.org.